Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to episode 37A of the Middle of the Road podcast. And we're releasing two parts to this episode because in the second half of the episode, we actually had a pretty interesting conversation going back and forth. So we revisited the take a couple of times. And then this was the one that we finally decided to put out. So without further ado, this is episode 37A. Come on in. Let's have some fun. Welcome to episode 37 of the Middle of the Road podcast and my co-host over here decides to call this episode Pride and Arrogance. So we start off with the two races that are known for Pride and Arrogance, the Chinese and the Indians. Yeah, and you can't call us racist because we are calling our own race. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I understand this article is about rich Chinese football club owners, yes, who decide to what? They are the equivalent of um, Peter Lim. Okay. So basically what happened in the Chinese Super League, mm-hmm. one of the owners of the club checked himself into a game to play. Okay. To be fair to him, he only introduced himself during injury time. Lah. So injury time is like after 90 minutes, additional time that was due to stoppage of play. So it's usually like three to five minutes only at most. Okay. Okay, so this is one instance in the lower tier of the Chinese Super League. This is the video that has been uh, circulating around a lot. Okay. Another business owner stuck himself in with like 15 minutes left. And the ridiculous thing is this guy is super clearly out of shape. He looks like a freaking ball. Like, you know, all your weekend teams that you play with, there's always one fat fuck there. <laughs> this guy is that fat fuck. <laughs> it's additionally obnoxious because as he's playing, right? He's like giving instructions to the rest of his teammates. And then when he makes a mistake, he fucking gunned them. Like he has the audacity to like copy them after he makes a mistake. It's quite ridiculous. So what do you think? Well, I mean, you are the owner of the club. You basically can do anything you want, right? The first thought that I have is that at least Peter Lim doesn't play football himself. Lah. If he... <laughs> Peter Lim is like, what, 60? I don't know, but at least he's not checking himself into the game to play football by himself, right? So it's not too bad. I guess Singaporeans have some redeeming qualities over here. <laughs> I know I started off this podcast saying that it's Chinese and India, right? Yes. Because I remember this case happening in an Indian team before. And it's not even an Indian Indian team, by the way. Do, do you watch F1? Um, Bits and pieces. Okay, there is a team that used to be called Force India. Okay, I know that. Who has basically been converted by a Canadian billionaire into this team called Racing Point. Mm-hmm. And you know how coveted the seats in F1 are? Basically, there's only 20 drivers in the entire league. Yeah. And Racing Point, owned by a Canadian billionaire, one of the drivers in the team is his son. Okay, but Force India used to be a really shit team in the first place. No, they're not. They're not. They're quite a decent team. Yeah, but they hardly score points on, right? They like almost never score points on. No, they are building themselves up into a somewhat decent team. Okay, so does this billionaire kid know how to race properly? This happened even way back in 2017. Huh? Uh, before Force India got into financial troubles, mm. uh, this Canadian billionaire was actually invested into this team called McLaren. Hey, sorry, Williams. Williams F1 team. And Williams F1 team is a really, really lousy team. Lah. And this billionaire kid right, was not the best driver in the lineup. But he has a seat as a main driver because the father is invested heavily into the team. Ah. 
he's a main driver. He's not even like a backup driver. He's the one that races all the race. Yes, yes, yes. What the fuck? <laughs> so on one hand, it was partly because Williams was not doing well. And on the other hand, there was an opportunity to actually come into F1 to own one of the teams. So the Canadian billionaire actually did it, uh, buying over the assets of um, Force India, turning into Racing Point. And then it basically was just fulfilling the child's fantasy of he wants to be an F1 driver. So that one is main driver. Leh. This one, check in for 10-15 minutes. Okay, lah, not so bad, lah, I think. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so that's the point I want to bring up. You think that it's okay if it's like a few minutes in the game? I mean, are they winning? One was a draw, the other one they lost. No, are they winning championships? Are they at the high contention level? I have never heard of these teams before. Okay, <laughs> but you also don't watch Chinese football. What? But you know who the big teams are? What? Like your, your Shanghai... Sharks, who plays basketball. No, I think they, their names are the same also. Like Real Madrid Basketball Club is also basketball. <laughs> okay, I don't know. I don't watch anything. I don't watch Chinese football. Okay, so because football doesn't mean anything to you, right? So let's say, let's use basketball because at least you have some affinity to basketball. So if you see a basketball owner like Steve Ballmer, maybe his son who cannot really play fat as fuck, as fat as him, forces the LA Clippers to let his son play for like the last few minutes of the game. Okay. Will you have a problem with that as a fan? Well, did they win? Are they winning the game? Did he cause them to lose? (laughs) (laughs) So that matters. Because, I mean, look, I think that if the team is shit uh-huh. and the owner wants to have some fun with the team with no expense to anybody else, then okay lah. He's paying their salaries anyway, what? Is he really though? He's not paying their salaries from his own pocket, what? It's a business expense. Yeah, but I mean, you own the company that pays the salaries, right? Okay, I, I tell you what my train of thoughts basically is, right? Like, if let's say that the team is doing very, very poorly, mm. And in the closing minutes of a game where it's inconsequential, you put in one of these guys into the game, whether it's a substitute that is rarely used or the owner's son throwing into the game. Who cares? It's like Doc Rivers, one of the coaches who actually drafted his own son. But his son can at least play. I mean, he's not that good, but he still can play. What? Well, but a lot of people were not particularly happy because they were giving him opportunities that could have been given to other better players for development. So like... If he's just being fielded into games that are inconsequential, then so be it. I think fans will have an issue if two things. One, your team actually has chance of winning. And then because you have the billionaire son who wants to play and then you fuck up the situation for everybody. Similar to what we described in Williams' F1 team earlier. Mm-hmm. So that's one incident. The second incident is that if there are people that are clearly more deserving or have more potential that are not given the opportunity to practice or to get experience because it is the billionaire's kid, then I think that's where people get pissed off. That applies to everybody else on the team who doesn't get to play because this guy is obviously depriving some low-level player who can probably gain a bit of experience or some game time. And if you're going to go ahead with this, like where the hell is it going to stop? Then we might as well hold like fan contest. Then the fan gets to play the last minute of every game. Sure, why not? Why? It's going to be a good PR move anyway, what? No, then what Then what next? You're going to invite like Airbutt to come and play. Who's Airbutt? He's a stupid dog in the movies. Oh, There's okay. this dog series where he plays a different sport. I mean, okay, I think obviously as the owner, you have the say to do this kind of stupid shit. But I think you should respect the professional football club and, or professional sports team that you purchase and not do this kind of nonsense. Particularly in a professional game. Like if it's a friendly, then obviously I don't think it matters as much. But 
it sets a precedent for a lot of stupid things. No, but like I say, if you win or you don't win, that's a completely different thing. Well, I mean, if you're talking about being competitive, then I would take more umbrage in the situation that this Jake and Logan Paul YouTubers are doing to boxing. Ah. <laughs> what? Okay, that's another topic for another day, but sure. I mean, clearly they are not boxers. Jake Paul obviously has spent a lot of time honing the craft of boxing. He, I, I would say if, let's say, you put me in a boxing match with him, I will probably lose because he's going through so much training and he's uh, going through the full package, right? But he's fighting people that are completely irrelevant. What? They are not even boxers. What? And then the problem is that he's getting paid more than people who have actually dedicated their life to becoming boxers. I don't know. No, but it's different. It's an exhibition match. It's not like... It's professional match. How does it count as a professional match? Sir? It's a professional match. It's actually sanctioned. So he has a boxing license? Sir? Yes. Okay, that's why boxing sucks. <laughs> that's why it's not very popular. I mean, in the same thing. No, it's actually a very, very big sport. Huh? But, okay. So I understand that these are Chinese football teams, right? Mm. Are they at the point of contention? Because if, let's say, that these owners are deliberately fucking over their clubs and a lot of fans are being very angry about the fact that their club can win or their clubs are developing younger players and these guys take away the time for younger players to develop then yes I agree that there is some outrage lah, but if it's just like this kind of them stupid shenanigans and they own the club at the end of the day what are you going to say it's kind of like another young Chinese prince who has a fucking Ferrari and a McLaren at the same time what okay I don't think it's exactly the same uh, but uh, I mean at the end of the day it's their team lah, so like you say they can do whatever the fuck they want I just don't think it comes across very well then again, Chinese football is in shits anyway. So Yellow, so it doesn't really matter anyway, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Rich people and their nonsense. Okay, I guess we can move on from here. Okay, so from China, India, we come back to our local scene. Have you seen this video of this guy who found a $2 note and ran for 1km to return it to the Bangla who dropped it? <laughs> I like the caption. Uh, is this uh, putting his IPPT go to good use, right? Something along those lines. Yeah, I get the good that came out of it. But it's a bit weird that he managed to video the whole situation from the very beginning. Don't you think that it's a bit like trying to attract attention? Yeah, probably. But at least it's one that kind of gives people a good feeling, right, at the end of the day. Okay, so then my question is, are these kind of pretentious good deeds better than having no good deed at all? If it's a pretentious, but it is still a good deed, it's fine. I think the problem with the internet is that there are a lot of fake good deeds. That means it was not actually real. So in this particular case, what you mean is that the Bangla might be fake? No. Um, if you actually look at some of these so-called animal rescue videos, right? There's an entire series of people actually filming them and showing the public that those animal rescue videos are completely fake. So on one hand, while we were watching it, and we thought like, oh, it's so nice that you get a dog that's rescued or you get a kitten that's rescued, right? Actually, that dog was planted there or the cat was planted there. Oh. So these kind of videos, I feel that they should not be encouraged at all. Why? It's fake. That means these people had to go and procure some dog or some kitten from somewhere and then plant them in some kind of stupid situation. Like, for example, in a cage mm. that puts them in a state of distress. And then they film that. Because at the end of the day, with enough views, you get enough revenue generated from YouTube likes or views or Twitch views or whatever it is. Mm. So those are fake ones. But if it's a guy who is running just to get more, what is this, um, 
or the right word to use? Clout. Yeah. I, I don't have too much of an issue with it. La. At least this is still a good deed as compared to, do you know the recent trend whereby on TikTok, I think they were saying couples living together and then for no apparent reason, the, the boyfriend or the girlfriend just decided to say like, I want to sleep on the couch tonight. And then the other person is panicking like, of course, something do. wrong. Yeah, <laughs> are you angry about something? And then that gets like a shit ton of views for no damn reason. You know, I think that those are the stupid ones. Okay, I mean, TikTok does a lot of stupid things. That... Yeah, but that one is gaining traction. So a lot of people are following it. So if everybody's going to run after their banglas, and even if it's fake, gives them $2, then the bangla at the end of the day benefits what? Because it is money <laughs> out of your pocket to give the banglas. Maybe this was a video that was commissioned by the Bangladeshi High Commission in Singapore. Who knows? Okay, but nothing against it. Lah. For you, as long as some actual good came out yeah, of it, yeah, you're yeah, fine yeah. With it, Even if it's done in a way that seeks attention. Sure. As long as it's real good. At least it's fabricated, but real good has been done. You know what's the one that I think we should discuss? Is that kid, that 19-year-old kid who claims that he is some really, really big uh, CEO. Okay, I'm just going to pull out the name. Hash Dalau, who apparently was on Forbes 30 under 30 list in 2021. You remember this guy? Yep. For a certain period of time, I keep seeing the stupid CNA article about him. Yeah, that's the one that I can't stand because that, that one is an obvious fraud, but... And we already have enough fraudsters in Singapore. Like, for example, the Belagraph Nova group. You know? <laughs> the Imran guy. The Imran guy. And then now we have this idiot who is also another fraudster. Like, ah, oh, the Singaporean reputation down the fucking toilet bowl, man. Yeah, you know the worst part about this is that, like, they keep saying that he is a super hardworking kid. He's a Rex to riches story. It's oh, fucking hypocritical. I cannot stand it. So I don't really know whether he did it because he reached a point where he was just trying to show off and it got so out of hand, or whether his company was in deep shit and he actually needed to put on a front, you know, like, quote-unquote, fake it till you make it. Okay, so the couple of things that he's done, uh, he claims that he has two separate VCs invested in the company, amounting to almost $10 million. Mm-hmm. So these have both been proven to be false. Okay. He only has about 11 employees, according to LinkedIn. And for the tech world, LinkedIn is really the kind of place where you don't uh, try to bullshit that much. Although people still do that. But generally, you go from 120 employees to 11 employees only. The disparity is a bit too big. Lah. Then the About Us page on his website, where they're supposed to show like the founders and employees, right? <laughs> the screen caps are from the Adobe website and stock images. <laughs> this, is, this is entirely similar uh, to the Telegraph Nova group that put a picture of Obama and then they put yeah. the TV, you know, they put the logo in the TV over there making it look like it's a private event. But that one, at least Obama was actually really in the picture with them, right? This one, the people are there also just that it's a stock image. Yeah, this one was completely fabricated. And get this thing, this kid is 19 years old and he's already like that. Do you think that it might be the case of a crazy parent wanting to keep up uh, for Sat and forcing him to say all these things? I'm not going to lay it on his parents until we know more facts, lah, but... I can see the reason why people would do something like that. It could be because it's for the attention or on the other hand, it's also because like you could probably scam a lot of money because people think that your company might actually be doing something. But time and time again, we've seen a lot of internet fraud, right? And don't know. I guess it's good that this was called out earlier within the year. The people that I believe we should be more upset about is the journalists that actually go ahead and publish these articles. We talk about integrity in journalism. Where the fuck is it, man? in my very limited working experience with journalists, right? Um, 
they don't generally spend a lot of time verifying the facts that they are reporting. I think what the problem is, is a lot of journalists nowadays are in a way content aggregators. So they either get all their information from press release, which means the official statements released by all these companies, mm-hmm. or they just take articles from other news sources and just reproduce it. But I think that is very common. No, but I feel that in investigative journalism, or at least... But it's not, man. It is what it should be, right? Or I should... It's not even investigative journalism that's the right word here. I feel that it's about integrity in journalism that you should fact-check whatever that you're doing. Just because some guy tells you that uh, my neighbor stole $10 million from the government, then you report it, man. You need to fact-check and really show that this $10 million really disappeared from the government. Man. If not, you ruin people's lives for no reason, eh? Let's be fair to the journalists. They can't possibly fact check whether or not a private company has how much investment. Then you have no. Then let's be fair. You have no right to report it. What? You have no right to report it. What? I'm just thinking in terms of like the practical application of it. If a, if a privately listed company tells you that they have investments from X Y Z company who is investing maybe five hundred million dollars in the company, how do you want them to verify? Then don't don't write the article as though those are facts write the article that it is alleged or it is claimed that they have secured funding. There is a different tone to how you make those claims, Mm -hmm. making it sound whether or not it's true or not. Because let's also think about it this way. Some people could go off of the fact, like it was reported on Forbes and in CNA. Some people trust Forbes and CNA enough, right, to say that if it comes out on Forbes, it could be, it definitely should be real. And because of that, people might actually take out some real hard-earned money to invest into these companies and it turned out to be a sham. Then how? Mm. That's how I look. La. Okay, I mean, I get your point. La, but I think even though I don't like the practice, I don't think that it's reasonable to expect them to be able to check everything. Forbes, on the other hand, because it's Forbes mm. and they come up with all these stupid like rich lists and all that kind of nonsense, right? And this particular 30 under 30 list, which is supposedly very prestigious, like the people on this list are usually go on to become very influential people in the world. I think they should have done their homework. Lah. Yeah, so anybody would have done their homework, right? Like for a CNA or a Straits Times, it's not really that applicable. Eh? You think that level of so, journalism yeah, needs to be... Yeah, yes. I think that that level of journalism needs to be applied across the board. If let's say that you're a tabloid, mm-hmm. if you brand yourself as a tabloid, like for example, Mothership is not uh, calling itself integritistic journalism. It just calls itself community journalism. You know what I mean? It's built off of the things that people in the community actually give to them until in more recent times, they've actually hired their own journalism. I mean, their own journalist. Okay. Right? Like Storm. Do you take Storm seriously? No. Nah. Yeah, exactly. So if you are building yourself into one of these kind of newspapers or these kind of tabloids, mm-hmm. then behave that way. But if it comes out of newspaper or sources that are supposed to be trustworthy, then behave that way because people pay you subscription for a reason or so what? Yeah, but that's a practical application of it. Right? So if, like in this particular case, if a guy is really out to fool you and to mm-hmm. falsify his numbers or whatever the hell it is, right? then there's only so much check you can do before you can verify that, okay, at least what he says seems to be true as opposed to... Because if you're going to write every article about allegedly, allegedly, everything that you write is going to have a very negative connotation. And you can't possibly verify every single fact that whatever press release is given up. I don't know, but look, when I saw the article for the very first time, it was this 19-year-old guy who is running a 25 million USD company, right? I have my doubts, what? Okay, but we doubt everything, what? Like we are more cynical in general. No, but this is factually this is factually doubtful, what? 
okay. But you can make same, the same case for, say, Facebook when it first came out. You will not believe that it's a multi-billion dollar company, right? It's based on private valuation also, no? Correct. But Facebook eventually was turned public. Yes. By the same token, if you were reporting that early in Facebook's timeline, all the investors will be saying that this is a multi-billion dollar company, but you will not be able to, as a journalist, verify that kind of information, right? I think it's I think that's the difference over there, right? Whereby Facebook is potentially multi-billion dollars, right? And don't forget one very simple thing. Before Facebook ever went public, uh, it was already very, very widely used as a private company. It already had a lot of presence in terms of usage. Like a lot of people actually knew what Facebook was about. The question mark everybody had was how are they generating revenue? Okay. That's the major question that everybody has. So if we can answer some of these questions, then from the journalism's perspective, right, it's about saying potentially if this is how it works, it could change the way advertisements will work going forward, which turned out to be true, right? You may not even need to put a valuation on the kind of company. But what we're talking about over here is that this guy had no product. He's too young for anybody to believe that he is really running a company that big. And then for all the people that are supposed to have all the resources in the world or at least know where to look for the truth, they decided not to do it. And then they published an article in which I hope nobody got hurt financially because of these articles. If the Forbes journalist or the CNA journalist that publish these things as facts without doing their due diligence gets fired, I think that's justice. Okay, I mean, we hold Forbes to such a high standard, but to be honest... Over the years, there have been many instances of them not accurately reporting on the net worth of all the billionaires as well. And they keep saying that Donald Trump was worth $10 billion. <laughs> it's clearly not. I think the main point is that we shouldn't be scamming people and that journalism probably needs to do better. Yeah, especially if you are somebody who is prominent. Mm-hmm. Should be fact-checked. Like the Indian politician. Who was not fact-checking him? He doesn't need to be fact-checked right? because he's the he's the chief minister in India. Yeah, and if you don't get fact-checked for something like this, is he going to lose his job? I hope that's the case. I don't know. Okay, so what we're talking about is this chief Delhi minister claiming that there was a COVID variant that originated in Singapore. I don't get it. First of all, they steal our song. Then sometime later, we send, we're actually sending uh, oxygen to them because they have oxygen shortage in their hospital. And now these fuckers say that we give them COVID. <laughs> <laughs> we package COVID and sell it to them. Okay, but you know the irony here is that he's calling for all for a ban on all flights between India and Singapore, which is exactly the kind of thing that... We want. Yeah, everybody in Singapore. Yeah, okay, is so we're happy. It's, it's the same thing that I saw <laughs> on one of the WhatsApp chat groups yeah, today. I think India makes a statement, and I don't know if this is true, but I think it's a funny joke. Lah. So India makes a statement saying like, we're very well prepared to send athletes to the Tokyo Olympics. <laughs> what? India? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're prepared to send uh, athletes to the Tokyo Olympics. And then the netizens in Japan say, No, they just ask, how many gold medals do you want? We send it over to you. Don't send your guys over. We <laughs> recognize you as number one. Don't eat, don't eat, don't eat. Please, please, please. <laughs> so, I mean, in fact, it's the same effect, right? If he wants to ban all flights from Singapore, we also want to ban all flights from India. Okay, lor. then so be it. <laughs> the effect is achieved. What I want is I hope he loses his job. Lah. That's as simple as it is. Lah. Why? But this is like harming international relations. Eh? India itself has already come up to say that there's no facts, right, to these things. Okay, wait, wait. Do you say you want him to lose his job? Yeah. Or you don't do want him? I want. 
I want him okay, to okay, lose okay. his job. Okay. Do you hear yeah, me? Yeah, I thought you said you don't. Yeah, I thought you said don't him lose I his mean, job. I mean, yeah, you can definitely. keep him there and then he'll be the next Donald Trump lah, and then you'll get more comedy out of him, right? But considering how big the population in India is and considering how many people could very well be non-educated, uh, he could do a lot of damage, lah, that's all I can say. Yeah, that's actually true. I mean, look at Singapore. We're so fucking educated, but we still have people saying the same shit, right? So it's about the same. True, true. Like I say, I hope he's removed from office. And with that, let's move on to the final topic for today. Okay, and before we actually touch on our final topic, there was something that caught my eye about SMRT feedback by the Vigilante. I remember this Facebook group as a bunch of people that did a lot of social justice. You remember them, right? They were the one who found that Abing handphone shop guy. Jovia Chu. Yeah, who was scamming people, right? Yes, and at that point in time, I was actually proud to be a Singaporean because we did a lot of good with not just exposing the critical or the scamming practices of this Jovia Chu. Uh, we also did right by the tourists that he scammed. But the post that they put up about the Muslim and the prayer five times shit, they have no right to make that kind of comments. And if they get sued or they get punished because of it, right? I think it's just they think that they are above the law already. And if they get punished, let's put it this way, they really deserve it. Like SMRT feedback, from our understanding, the original group of posters have already they left. They not be around anymore. Yeah. And apparently, mm. this whole new bunch of people who took over are not that funny also. And they try to still retain that bit of age where they always uh, try to say something smart while offending everybody at the same time. That's generally their form of humor. Lah. They really lost the touch. Lah. It's no longer the same. A lot of the things they say are just fucking cringy and stupid. And now they probably crossed the line. No? So the post itself, I think they were talking mainly about the Israeli-Palestine uh, conflict. But it just is so poorly worded and comes across with so much arrogance that, oh, whatever I say is definitely correct, you're all stupid. And you all should just admit that life is like that. It's just too fucking quiet already, uh, even for a page like SMRT feedback. So if this is the situation that gets them closed down, I would feel sad because, you know, the founding group of this uh, SMRT vigilante group was actually funny or that they actually did some really, really good things. Social justice, for an example. But... If this is how it ends, then this is how it ends. Uh, they deserve it. Alright, folks. And that wraps up episode 37A. We're leaving the final topic to an episode called 37B. Hope you like the content so far. Don't forget to leave a like, comment, and subscribe to us at the bottom. Also, do take the time to let us know what you guys think of the content so far this year. Many thanks to that. And we'll see you guys next week.